Hello and welcome to Dealoo, the Melbourne Demons fan podcast. Meets, it's a sign of how bad we've been this year that the heartbreaking loss to West Coast was the season highlight. How are you feeling today? You know, I'm actually really satisfied. Even though I thought that we lost a game that we 100% should have won, um, especially, you know, we just had so many more inside 50s, which is always the tale of uh, the tale of uh, Melbourne games. But, you know, in particular, we were playing all right. We were playing pretty well. We just kept missing shots on goal. Um, you know, we looked like a real team, I think. And uh, West Coast just had a bit more class than we did. And so it was really frustrating. We looked like... Um, one of those teams that's sort of like a young developing team that's going up against the sort of seasoned, uh, you know, uh, premiership fancy that just doesn't quite have the class, but um, once they do, we'll run a mark over them. That's, that's how it sort of felt, except notionally we're meant to actually be in the same category as West Coast this season. Yeah, um, I agree in general with that kind of patronising take on our fortunes, as, as, I yeah. do with, <laughs> as I do with most of these things. Although I do think if Milkshakes had played, we would have won that game. Um, we just yeah. lacked one player with a bit of precision who could finish, right? I mean, you look at, um, you know, Tom McDonald squandering shot after shot, Petrarca, oh, Erratic. kills me. But at least Even Petrarca Jeff kicked Garland. a couple of goals. Yeah, Jeff Garlett, Jeff Garlett still kicked some goals, but they just missed so many easy shots. And at crucial times as well. Um, yeah, no, I agree with you. I think I'm a little bit uh, more cynical, though, on... Um, but whether or not milkshakes is the sort of sole solution of the kicking into the forward line issue, I think that we really need more avenues um, than just milkshakes. I think we've become just far too reliant on him, to be honest. Uh, you don't think we just we have need... a calcium deficiency? Oh, that's uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. That's a good way of putting it. No, we, it's just you look at a team like West Coast or a team like Geelong, and then it feels like they've got three or four players of that ilk who can kick it to the forward line. For us, it feels like we have one, Milkshakes, and maybe two, Salem, except he's being used in the back line. Or, or no, Salem definitely can kick it to the forward line, but he's just being used in the back line because we need his tackling pressure and, and everything else that he can do back there. So... I think that the problem is a little bit more systemic than than what you think it is. I think we really need to um, kind of figure out which, you know, three players are going to be our our nominated kicks into the forward line. Because West Coast just felt like they had Willie Rionli, you know, beautiful kicks into the forward line. Lewis Jetta, beautiful kicks into the forward line. Um, Everybody in their team sort of feels like they can kick into the forward line, but everyone in our team feels like they can't. Yeah, and that's right. And at the end of the day, they just had this extra dose of class. I mean, some of those finishes in the last quarter with... Um, Beautiful. Um, with Shuey. Shuey uh, no, and Cripps. Uh, yeah, Shuey. Cripps had a great great goal. And then obviously yeah. Liam Ryan's mark on Gorn. Um, yeah, that was amazing. These little touches of class. And look, obviously we can focus on the umpiring. The umpiring was very annoying. But just re-watching some of that last quarter, at the end of the day, West Coast still had to take some pretty tough chances. And they did. Well, I just think that um, it's a really interesting thing, isn't it, that Geelong, for example, um, I was watching on the couch, as every uh, self-respecting footy fan does, but um, I was watching on the couch the other day, and it's interesting to note that Geelong are doing kind of quite average or even below average when it comes to numbers of um, inside 50s, but their efficiency is just exquisite. Um, And and we are just kind of, we are the honestly antithesis antithesis of Geelong. We just have absolutely no... Um, efficiency and and 
you know, you do think, like, once we get that efficiency right, once we get those players in there, we'll be an unstoppable force. Um, but it just does feel like it's we've just been waiting for a long time to find anybody, um, you know, from within at least, who can, who can be those players except for milkshakes. I agree with that. And look, we still had 62 inside 50s to 47, which is, which is proving that point. But I do feel like this week felt a bit qualitatively different. I don't know. I actually think we looked pretty dangerous. And it was almost more a case of missing easy shots rather than not getting the shots at all. That's what seemed to be the difference. I agree with that. We looked a lot. We looked, this was easily our best performance of the season. This, this actually filled me with some hope uh, for the rest of the season and moving forward. Totally, totally. I watched that game and I'm like, I think we have maybe very small, but a very small chance at making the finals, which I did not Aww. think before this game. And I know it's, yeah. it's it requires a lot, but I think it's like, isn't there some there's some statistic like four te- only four teams have ever done it from this position? But Melbourne could be one of those four teams. I mean, it's a prelim final team with a lot of players out there all coming back. Maybe not yeah, all. I'm a little bit more negative on that. I, I don't know if we will... Um, be able to make the finals. I think we might finish around ninth or tenth. Uh, we, we're playing like that at least. Um, I think that uh, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but BT actually had a good point, which is that we do have a tough three weeks. We do, but after that, we really could. Uh, by the time we get to the bye, we could absolutely destroy some teams after the bye because we really don't have that hard a run home. Um, it's just a question of whether or not we can scrounge enough wins in the next couple of weeks and then really launch ourselves and get on a really good winning streak in the back half of the year. Um, look, I still think that we're not going to make finals just because of how poorly we started. And, and I still think this team is a bit up and down, right? Like, we won against Gold Coast, but we just looked deplorable. So I think we are still prone to a couple of not great games, particularly with some of our skill, the fact that we don't necessarily have the same skill level as other teams. Uh, but... I do think that we'll perform a lot better than what I initially thought. Initially, I thought, honestly, we could be looking at getting the number one draft pick, and I was already reading the draft profiles of, um, of Matty Rowell and, um, and Noah Anderson. So, you know, I don't think we're in that category anymore. Well, having said that, I'm very intrigued by the mid-season draft this year. Mm, um, interesting. I, I don't think I've been as excited for a draft for at least a couple of years. Um, well, we keep trading away our first-round draft picks for defenders. Ex- exactly. And right now, we've got pick four... If North Melbourne win on the weekend, which they could, and if we lose, which we probably will, we could get, you know, pick three, maybe even pick two. Oh, this is tanking talk years. We're already back into the dark. I know. And, it, and it's so it's so wrong, but part, part of you must feel the temptation. I mean, to get like a, a McDonald Tip and Woody's brother seems pretty exciting. I just feel like knowing Melbourne, we won't draft players like that. They're just too quick and skillful, and that doesn't seem to be uh, a good one's MO. That's true. That's not really part of our list profile. Right, exactly. Uh, so and- we'll get some sort of hard nut, uh, you know, honest, uh, you know, mediocre midfielder. Yeah, and also, even if we did pick him up, it's also it would be Melbourne's luck to get the, the worst brother. Um, like back in the day, um, Donald Cockatoo Collins or... Shannon, yeah, exactly. Shannon Motlop, or I could even imagine us getting an Alwyn Davy instead of Aaron Davy. Just like. right, 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 exactly. Um, we are prone to that. So no, look, I think uh, I think we do need to try and push hard for a good small forward or a good yeah. skillful, quick player in the mid-season draft. But I do think we're going to have to just attack the trade period with that in mind. And you know, we have cleared up some money from Jesse leaving, so perhaps we can really launch an assault on. On the, on the trade period and try to find a couple of these players because I, I really think that uh, this season is showing us that we, we just 
we can't skirt around it anymore. That you can't, you can't, you know, manufacture good kicks into the forward line with the sort of stretches and the Neil Bullens of this world. Well, let me ask you then, Nitz, just finally on the on the mid season draft. Do you think we should pick up a ready made small forward who can come in right now, or should we be thinking more? Who's the best player that didn't get drafted last year that we can, you know, plug in the VFL um, for the rest of the year and then hopefully play next year? How- yeah, I think it's a it's a bit of a toss up, isn't it? I, I'm sort of the view that um, I, I because I still think that there is a very like obviously the faintest of all chances that we could make finals this year, but I do kind of think that we need to be a little bit more long term um, in terms of our thinking. So I think we just go with best available. I, I think that's that's exactly. Um, the problem that's sort of led us to the position we're in in some ways, right? We've been a little bit too short-term about recruiting for the now um, without thinking more long-term about what we need uh, for the next couple of years. So so I think we go best available. Um, but, you know, I think we should... I still think we need to have a particular profile of a player in mind, if that makes sense. So it's kind of a bit of both. Um, yeah. It's like a it's like a best available who can really make a meaningful difference to our team in the next couple of years. And I think that that will likely be a small forward um, with good tackling pressure who's skillful. Right. I agree with all of that. Um, let's quickly talk about a couple of more things from the game. Um, I think we do need to spend a bit of time talking about Marty Hoare. What a player. What a recruit he's been. Um, Great recruit. He's just improving every game. Well, and it's one of the things which I do, I'm just loving him each week. And he's kicking, look, his kicking will improve over time. And I think it already has shown some signs in the West Coast game. But um, yeah, what a wonderful recruit. It just seems like a good guy. I'm just, I'm super happy with that pickup. I do, uh, the only thing I do wonder though is, does it make you feel as if, you know, intercept defenders are the types of players you can just sort of pick up from the VFL? Um, and, and did we need to go out and spend the amount that we spent on Lever and May in order to achieve the same result that apparently we're now starting to see Marty Hall? Uh, I don't know about that. I think it's all about consistency, you know? Um, and there's a lot of intercept defenders that play a few good games and don't amount to much. Um, I remember this Collingwood player, Adam Oxley, who got like 35 possessions and 15 Adam marks Roxley, against Melbourne yeah. uh, one game. And I, you know, he might have played three or four good games ever, but I remember at that time people thought he was going to be this superstar intercept defender. And, you know, I think it's a position where people work you out a little bit and the really good players like Rance find a way around that. So, you know, I, I think I can understand um, us spending on Lever, but um, if Hall keeps improving, yeah, you do start to wonder about the need a little bit. Right, exactly. And do, do, does it sort of make you think that they should have tried to target those players from the VFL and, and bring in a Sam Collins um, and a Marty Hall um, instead of a Jake Lever and Stephen May? Not that I think that Lever won't be a great pickup. May I'm still a little bit unsure about. But, you know, just in terms of the cost, right, um, and the amount that we sacrificed, could we have gotten some super quick outside um, with those picks or, or some type of small forward with those picks? Yeah, it's a fair concern. Although right now they're competing with players who are both injured so it's always gonna true. it's always gonna be a tough tough comparison um that is true that is true uh we'll, we'll have to see um one more quick take from the game wasn't that the cycle of sam frost's life from the good to the bizarre shall we say uh yeah i think that gary lyon actually summed it up uh fairly well on, on the couch when he said that there is never been a player who can encompass 
the good, bad and ugly quite the way that Sam Frost does. That rundown and tackle on um, Petricelli was amazing. Yeah. But then it was just followed up by a terrible kick and then, you know, you get to the very ugly goal conceded uh, to Josh Kennedy or to Jack Darling at the end and you sort of sit there thinking this is just a nightmare. Um, so, you know, it's hard, isn't it? Because you see the talent that is Frost in that rundown tackle and you think, wow, this guy could really be something if he can just harness his ability. But then you just see these skill errors and these mistakes and you just want to pull your hair out. Yeah, it's it's kind of mystifying, but I do think he's playing pretty well. I mean, it's almost like I focusing... I think he's better than Oscar right now. Right, Definitely. right. And it's almost like maybe focusing on the outliers does him a bit of a disservice. Because I'd say for most of the game, he's pretty well. And then he does something really great or something really terrible. But um, I think he's improved a lot in the last few weeks. I actually would agree with that. And look, we have no other options at the moment. <laughs> I mean, the suggestion that Lever would come back in this week is just crazy, right? Like, he needs some time. Maybe he's going to need some time. So, you know, at some point, you've got to back in fast and sort of give him some type of give him some confidence at least um, to feel like he can tackle the next uh, month or so without Lever in name. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's right. Although it sounds like Lever got through okay in the VFL and he'll play a full game this week. So you'd expect it to be sooner rather than later. Oh, uh, I don't know. I'm sort of very wary about that. I think just like let him beat down the door at the VFL level. You know, he's been out of action for so long. He needs to get some confidence in his knee. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sort of of the view that the season is probably already over. So, uh, you know, we just I, I don't think it's worth just wasting Lever on, on this year. I think we should just give him all the time he needs to get ready for next year. And even the same with May, you know, if we get them cherry ripe for next year, then maybe that's a good strategic decision um, whilst, you know, hopefully having a good trade period and also, uh, you know, and also uh, maybe possibly drafting some good kids yeah totally totally um, um the one question i have to ask you Kieran, are you concerned that clayton oliver is going to leave based on rumors on uh on the uh, the melbourne uncensored forum you're the only person i've ever heard this rumor from and i do not read the melbourne uncensored forum for this reason um why would clayton oliver leave melbourne i don't know because he's frustrated with the fact that he's carrying everybody along with him on his dark side Oh, he's going to have to get used to that for the rest of his career. I mean, I don't think there's any chance. I mean, he loves the club and he's quit sugar and he's one of these intense guys. He's not going to go anywhere. He's quit sugar. Um, I do, speaking of quitting sugar though, Kieran, I do have a question for you. Angus Brayshaw, he's being played out of position. He was third in the Brownlow last year. What is going on with him? Well, where do you think he's, he should be played? On the ball. I, I, I don't understand why he's been playing on the wing. It doesn't make any sense to me. Well, it makes sense to me. I mean, we're so desperate for line-breaking talent um, that, you know... And the wings are more and more important, it seems, with this way the 666 is set up. Um, it's hard to know who else we play in that role. And you, you'd think well, that he's perfectly suited yeah. for it, in a way. Well, the problem is, is I think that his numbers are down. It doesn't look like he's playing with a lot of confidence. I think the reality is, it's just like when we tried to stick him at half back. Like he's not a, he's a, he's an inside midfielder with outside game, right? Like, but he needs to be winning the ball, and I think that sticking him on the wing is just doing him a real disservice and doing us a disservice. Um, I feel like maybe part of the reason we're playing him on the wing is just because, unfortunately, at the moment, um, guys like Jones aren't really capable of having that outside spread. Is that is that a fair assessment? 
I think that's fair. But I do think in recent weeks, our contested ball has been pretty good. So I don't think right. we've got a huge need at the ball right now. I mean, Harms is in very good form. Oliver's, you know, his kicking hasn't been great, but he's getting a lot of the ball consistently. Um, so I think at the coal face, we're doing all right. We just need some people to spread and use it well. Yeah. I just feel like maybe Gus is losing a little bit of confidence by... Well, you know, it's just that you put people out of position too much and they just all of a sudden start to lose their identity, I think, of being as footballers. And I think that, um, you know, ultimately he, he is a cold-faced kind of player and he's, his numbers are way down recently. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Um, and but, I wonder if it's to the betterment of the team. You know, I understand that sometimes players just have to suck it up and play where, they're, um, where the team needs them, but I just wonder if it's really helping us as much as it could be. Yeah, trust you to look out for lover boy Gus's numbers, Nitz. Uh, no worries. I'm always there to do that, Kieran. <laughs> um, fair call, fair call. Um, final take on the on the game and the players. Uh, what do you make of the Gorn Vardy incident near the end there? Oh, I think that Gorn um, played a superb game. He was amazing. And Vardy's just it was just such a cheap shot, wasn't it? Especially when it's like. Mate, you've done nothing all day. I'm not really sure if you can uh, start giving the lip to Gorn for that mark. Oh, and also, they were drafted in the same draft. Um, and you look at where Gorn's career is compared to where Vardy's career is. And I know you're about yeah. to say, Kieran, you thought that we should select Vardy, and I accept that that was an error. But... You did think that. You were you were devastated, in fact, that we chose Vardy instead of Gorn. Do you, do you not agree with that? Well, I think most people were surprised that we went for Gorn rather than Vardy. Because Vardy was yeah. a bit like... Um, God, what's his name at Collingwood? Why am I having a mind, mind blank? Brody Grundy, probably the, the second best player in the competition. I don't think anyone thought that Vardy was going to be like Brody Grundy. Karen. No, in terms of being the the consensus, you know, top ruckman at that time, and then Vardy drifted, and Gorn was higher than people expected. But I mean, good on the recruiters because they completely nailed that. And Vardy has shown the odd good game here and there. He had, so he had a pretty decent final series last year, right? But um, yeah, no, I mean. Sliding doors, those two careers. So one thing we did, right? Oh, no, Max Gordon has just been unbelievable. He really has been. He's, he's, you know, you look at the champion data and it suggests that he's almost been the best player in the competition this year. So, you know, there's a lot to be said about his season, which has probably been undervalued because of how poorly Melbourne has been performing. But he, we're so lucky to have him. He's an extraordinary player. He's a jet. He's a jet. And moving to another jet, Neats, the Rowan Bale Award for Most Underrated Performance. Uh, that was a very good segue, Kieran. Thank you. Um, I'm going to put an early nomination out before you even answer this. I reckon Harrison Petty was all right. Yeah, I mean, I didn't really notice him per se. Uh, what did you think was particularly uh, worth rating about his underrated performance? I thought he seemed pretty composed with the ball. He didn't make many mistakes. And the baseline, I admit, was low because... I thought he had possibly the worst debut I've ever seen from any player last year. Um, but, you know, he looked he looked pretty okay. I thought he was, like, very, very solid with the ball, um, had some good defensive involvements. I mean, you know, nothing spectacular. I thought he could have maybe protested that touched ball a little bit more. Um, he almost looked a bit sheepish, even though that was a pretty crucial moment. But um, I thought it was a pretty handy, handy second game. I feel like you're uh, very much devaluing the Rowan Bale Award with that assessment of his performance. But anyway, moving on. I, um, I actually think the award should go to Marty Hulu. I did think he played a very good game. I don't think his game was underrated at all. I think he's now being talked up as one of the the better young key defenders in the comp, right? I, I mean, I'm not sure if people would go that far, but he was, he was very much worthy of a Rowan Bale, uh, you know, 
um, honour, I would say. Okay. Um, GWS game needs. Um, yes. Really season on the line. If last week was season on the line, this is absolute. It's all on right now. Um, first of all, would you make any changes? You know, I mean, it depends because there's just a bunch of people with concussion issues, isn't there? Mm. Which is a bit of a problem. So we need to figure out what we're going to do about that. Um, you know, our Salem, Neil Mullen, and who, who was the final person? I can't really remember. Smith. Smith um, yeah. Sorry? Tim Smith. Tim Smith, sorry, of course. Um, if uh, the three of them are out, I'm not sure uh, what we do in terms of selections. But, you know, it sounds like Hannon might be ready to go, so I definitely think we should bring him back in. Um, do we bring back in Lewis? What do you think? I, I just think he'll look a bit slow in comparison to some of these GWS players. But, oh, yeah, Lewis you know, in for the GWS, Kim? That's going to get ugly. I think so as well. Um, I think that, you know, do we bring back in Prusy? I actually don't mind that, to be honest. Let's try and rough up Mumford, or let's try and you know stretch them um, as far as their defence goes. I, I wouldn't mind that either. But I, I really, I really don't think Lewis should play this week. And I think that you know I'm not really sure if Neil Bullen should play this week as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. I would, I would drop Neil Bullen even if he doesn't get up, um, even if he does get up rather for Pruce because I think Pruce has done nothing wrong. I mean, he he got injured and then he's dominated in the VFL. And I agree with you completely against Mumford. He's a perfect matchup in a way. I agree. And I think Hannon really should come back in if yeah. we have an opening. Yeah. No, I, I agree on Hannon. I, I really hope Tim Smith gets up. I think he's just been so unlucky. I think he's very handy every time he plays and then he keeps getting injured. Yeah. He's almost becoming the new Dean Kent in some ways. You know, he has a couple of um, decent moments in games and probably doesn't dominate his games as much as Dean Kent did, but has a really, you know, sort of... Um, sort of very honourable performance and then all of a sudden he gets injured or something happens. So, yeah, I think he's just been a bit unlucky. Yeah, but definitely one to persist with, I reckon. Um, do we have a chance, Neitz? I feel weirdly bullish about this game. I reckon we've got a we've got a show, a very small show. I do as well. I think that GWS, um, you know, aren't great on the MCG. That being said, they're going to be very, very desperate to, uh, you know, sort of overcome this hurdle that they have been faced with so many times and that they keep failing at. So I would be wary of them. I do think, though, um, that we do have a good record against them at the G, uh, and I think that that could, you know, come in handy here. Um, and, yeah, I think we might just win, actually. Yeah. Um, Cornelio coming in concerns me deeply. <laughs> yeah, I don't love that in. That's not my favourite in. Zach Williams going out is, um, is helpful. That's helpful. Um, taming Jer- Jeremy Cameron is going to be a problem. Although he's... Yeah, he's, so he's had, crossed or... Yeah, I mean, Oscar's played on him before. Um, and last year, Jeremy Cameron had probably the worst game he's ever had since he was like five years old or something um, against Melbourne. So maybe some demons. Do you think Do you think Jeremy Cameron has any demons thinking mm, about the deuce? I mean, that was that really horrible goal that they mucked up. I just recall it. It was just terrible. It was a missing... Cameron just completely missed the handball yeah. and they're running into an open goal and they just missed it completely. So that was a bit of a, that was a bit of a nightmarish um, performance. I, look, you know, I think a player like Cameron though, he, he's sort of due for a very commanding performance to get into he is the player that everyone thinks he is this year. And so I, I'm not feeling overly confident about his, about our chances against Cameron, but I do think we have a sneaky chance of winning this game. I think so too. There's re- really not a very good rational reason to think we can get around their midfield and get around Cameron. But yeah, I think season on the line, we're going to fight back. We're going to win in a narrow one, maybe 10 points. Yeah, I think that'd be, that'd be a 
an amazing result, really. Um, but, I, you know, look, GWS does have an absurd amount of class, right, in the form of Whitfield, Kelly, Canelio, all of these people. Um, but Taranto. that being said, I do think that... Sorry? Taranto, of course, who looks amazing. Taranto is a star, isn't he? He's just incredible. But I do think that one thing we are good at is at the cold face. And sometimes when GWS are challenged at the cold face, they just all sort of disappear. Um, so that's my hope. And they had a very sort of easy walkover last week. Um, obviously, they were terrible the week before I get to Hawthorne. But the fact that they had a bit of an easy walkover last week maybe means that they're a little bit complacent. I don't know. I hope. But um, it is... I mean, it also might be possible if they come out breathing fire, given that they have not won a BMCG in how many appearances. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, so, Neats, thank you for joining me. We should tell listeners that this is a first, a podcast recorded while you're in an Uber in New York, uh, coming home after <laughs> drinks. And uh, it, perhaps it sounds like that. I hope it doesn't. But... Uh, hopefully not. I'm driving through Times Square at the moment, which is easily the most garish and horrible place on earth uh for all those listeners who feel the same way good place to reflect on our season so um very much so yeah i'm the the garish lights of times square (laughs) Uh, and thanks to all of you for joining uh deluded once again Uh, as always we're an instagram deluded podcast and facebook uh and we'll join you after the season defining win against gws go d's